Today on Locked On Canadians, we are debuting a new thing we're doing, three up and three down. And as you can guess, there's a lot to talk about when we're talking about three down. The Canadians had a rough weekend. We're going to discuss that, but there are some bright spots. We're going to discuss that too today on Locked On Canadians. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode 479 of Locked On Canadians. And thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick. And I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize, who I think has, has like me, has a lot to say about the Canadians this weekend. I, I know this is a family show, so a lot of what I have to say isn't going to make the final cut here, but... I didn't see the game against LA. I was at a friend's bachelor party barbecue celebrating his engagement and everything. And I'm rather glad that I missed it. And I had the misfortune of watching their game against the Ducks today where they gave me a little bit of hope and then remembered that they're the 2021-2022 Montreal Canadiens and just absolutely ruined it. It was, they had that shutout against the Sharks and we got that hope up like when they beat Detroit and then they just smashed it right into the dirt almost immediately. You got to look at that San Jose game and how much work Jake Allen did. He can't sustain that night in and night out. And that was always the problem when they were relying on Carey Price, too, is that you can't rely on him to be perfect night in and night out. Goaltenders are human beings. Nobody's perfect and nobody has the ability to be perfect on a sustained basis. And so when you remove the Jake Allen element from that San Jose game, you'll see that the defense was not that great. The penalty was not that great. And then in the two games in Anaheim and in Los Angeles, um, they let, allowed a lot of goals on the penalty kill. So the penalty kill has sunk the Canadians in many games this season so far. That's not the only problem that they have. There are a lot of problems just in general. A lot of guys missing from the team, even the ones who didn't leave for good, even the players who are on this roster technically, uh, whether they're injured, whether they're dealing with family issues, whether they're dealing with mental health issues, whether right now they're a bit banged up. There's lots of guys missing every night. And so there are a lot of problems, personnel, lack of personnel being one of them. But I think overall, if you look at the way the Canadians play, the fact of the matter is that at some point, you have to look at the coaching. And we've talked about this and people are saying, oh, no, it's the effort. These Canadians, like they're not making an effort. And honestly, I think that a lot of times uh, the coaching staff kind of sees it that way as well, is that they always think that their system is good, but the players are failing to execute it. So what happens if you're not that good of a coach or your ideas are not suited to the teams that you're playing? Like the game plan, whatever it is, sucks. Because if it was better, then the Canadians would have been able to execute it one out of the, what is it, 10 games they've played now? Yeah, they are 2-8-0. and zero, And at a certain point in time, a team looking lost for a game or two isn't like a crazy thing. They looked lost for parts of the playoffs and they got it back on track. They've put together a cohesive effort 
I'm not even going to say twice because against the Sharks, they got hammered, but were lucky enough to actually score some goals in that. They've had one game where they had a cohesive effort for a full 60 minutes, and that was against Detroit. At a certain point in time, it becomes your system's garbage. And in, when we get to our new segment later on, we'll go over the numbers. It's not good whatever way you slice it. They're, this isn't like when Claude Julian was here and they were just unlucky and they were really good at having you know, shots and control the puck and they just were getting goalied or they weren't doing a small little thing. Nothing's working right now. And I I don't know how much more they can do. If they're really punting on this season, then just fire the GM at this point and just clean house because it's not worth watching this limp, impotent group of adults wander around and be terrible. It's upsetting to watch. It actively is a chore to watch the Montreal Canadiens right now sitting there and watching them do their best. And I know it's not all in the players, but some of it is, and a lot of it's on the system. It's terrible. It's not enjoyable. I could handle them being bad if they were exciting or there was some kind of building block there. I don't know what this team is. They look like a bunch of guys playing together for the first time every single night. That's yeah. And that's it. And it's like people, you know, you can keep saying that they're not, they're not, they're not inspired. Uh, you know, they themselves can keep saying that they're, they have to look themselves in the mirror, you know, the answers in the room, you can talk about the absence of leadership. You can talk about a lot of stuff and it is true. There is a leadership void. It's true that they're missing a lot of guys. It's true that Deno was maybe more important than they considered. It's all of that is true. It's true that Brendan Gallagher is probably adjusting to having different line mates. All of that is probably true, but if the coaching staff were good enough you would not see nine games of bad play in a 10 game stretch. It's one thing if they lose, if they're playing well, but they're not doing that. And so for me, the fact that they literally cannot change that, that to me is a coaching issue. That's not a luck thing. It's not an effort thing. You can see them sometimes get really frustrated. It's not that they don't care. You can say maybe, you know, there's an effort, one game that they didn't, put any effort in or some games where like they go down and they, they have no fight in them. And that's fair too. But at the same time, you know, people criticized Sheldon Keefe when, when he, when he had that, that speech, that big speech that he had in game six, when they were, when they were about to lose to the Canadians, they're going into overtime or between the, the last period and overtime coaching is not just about speeches. It's about preparedness. It's about game plan. It's about being innovative. It's about adapting. It's about responding to the situation at hand. And a lot of that comes from the players, but you need to tell them what to do. You need to give them something to work on. You need to adequately prepare a team so that one game out of 10 games is not like that's, that's not, that's not lack of effort. That one game out of 10 games, it's like, they ran into a Detroit team that really wasn't good. And it's exactly like you said, you know, if they're going to be bad, but exciting, we're still going to watch them. I mean, you and I are still going to watch them. Obviously we have this job to do, but, and we're always going to be here talking about them. But I think that you, you, we have to be honest with ourselves. Like you can't blame the players every single night. You can't say that this is a disgusting lack of effort. This is what I see. The commentary that I see lack of effort, lack of effort, lack of effort. Yeah. Sometimes there is lack of effort, but I think the biggest problem is lack of preparedness and lack of a game plan. Whatever their game plan is, is bad. 
And so we're not going to talk about that anymore. Uh, what we are going to do is we're going to do for the first time every Monday, we're going to do a three up and three down based on the previous week. That's going to be something you can look forward to. You know, we said we were going to do some fun new things uh, starting last week. We did a prospect story. So we're going to have a prospect story of the week, uh, wherever it happens to fit in, wherever the story happens to come up. Uh, but the Monday, like the three up, three down is always going to be on a Monday, just like our mailbag is always going to be on a Friday. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, tell me if this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day and your Monday first listen will now include a three up and three down segment or two, depending on what we have to talk about. Uh, And that was Scott's idea. And uh, we're going to look for positives throughout this entire season. Even if it kills us, we're going to find some positives in this team. Uh, But there are also plenty of negatives we can mention as well. So Scott, we both had a similar idea for two of our three ups, uh, and we had some similar ideas for what our three down should be. Why don't we start with the three up segment? Who's the first person you want to mention here that is on the up? I, I think it's pretty obvious is that it, it's Mike Hoffman who had, you know, four goals recently had another one against, um, I, I almost called them LA, but Anaheim, he scored against the Sharks. He's looking a lot better and he's looking exactly like he was promised. And it's nice to have that score that he's currently the only one really scoring with any sort of regularity on this team, which is not the best sign in the world. But at the same time, he's getting paid a chunk. He missed the start of the season and he needed to come in and make an impact. And right away, the Canadians got that. They are getting exactly what they were promised in Mike Hoffman. And it's hard to not have him on there when he's one of the few guys on offense who's actually able to generate anything right now. I agree. It's, you know, it's one of those things where we knew that that some of the goals were going to come when he came back. We were also expecting more goals than that, Uh, but he's doing his part. He is really doing his part. And it's exactly like you said, it's as advertised, you know, like when he and Romanov uh, were hemmed in their own zone, you knew that would be coming, right? Like you never want to see a Mike Hoffman getting caught in his own zone. I think they spent like a minute and a half there, just like stuck there, he and Romanov. That's not a good thing. That's not what you want to see, but you do want to see what he's doing at the other end of the ice, which is scoring. And he's doing it. He's still trying, whether or not it seems hopeless, like this guy showed up to do a job and that that is what he is doing. And, you know, whether it's on the power play, whether it is at even strength, he's finding the net. He's got that, like he's that, that's the aspect of his game that he was 
signed for. That's what he's doing here. And he's doing it no matter what. The other interesting thing that I find, and he's not one of the ups, Ben Sherratt is like, what is he, like the second or third leading scorer on this team now? He has two goals this season. How is your season going when Ben Sherratt has two goals? I just wanted to mention that because we are down on him a lot. So we did want to say something positive. So who is our second person in this segment? And we both, I think we both agreed on this one too. I, I Yeah, it's the only one who's been even remotely consistent this season. And that's uh, Jonathan Duane, who has been very good i don't believe he registered a point against the ducks but he was his line with anderson and dvorak was outstanding they were really good they were dangerous and made the habs look about the best they did at any point in that game there even the fourth line had a couple of good shifts but it was definitely that Druen line that was making things happen and i you know i tweeted that i thought jonathan Druen has been very good all season people going he's still soft in this and i'm like None of that matters. He's one of the few people actually generating chances in offense with his skills. And it's a shame that it's all going to waste because the team as a whole is, you know, just not great. But Druan, watching him play, he looks like a guy before he got injured a few years ago and that kind of, you know, spiraled everything afterwards. I think he's been very good. I think he's been dynamite with the puck on his stick. His his line with Dvorak and Anderson is working out real well. And I eventually I think that they need to shuffle it around, not because that line isn't working, but because they need to get other players going right now as well. So I I drew in is definitely my second up right now. And I know that it is slim pickings across the board for the Canadians, but uh, it's de- he's still remains the best story on the team this year so far. Yeah, that was that was a no brainer for me, too. I you know, we both we were like, uh, who do we have for three up this week? And and those were two like right off the top of our head. So for the third one, so Scott has a very compelling case. Uh, mine was, I was going to try and make a case for Josh Anderson, but it's simply because I love watching him play hockey. Even when he's making mistakes, it's hilarious. When he's falling down on the ice, it's hilarious. The energy he brings when he's barreling towards the goal is hilarious. We, I, I just love, and when he scores, he's so delighted with himself. Like every time, I just always think of like last year when they, um, after the Stanley Cup final ended and they were all packing up to go home, the Canadians released a video of all of them saying bye to the uh, bye to the fans and, you know, thanking us for our support. And he went, hey, guys, it's Josh. And literally every time he does anything, I just think of him going, hey, guys, it's Josh all the time. So that's my honorable mention. But I think Scott has a more compelling case for our third guy this week. I do, and I'm cheating because he's not in the NHL currently, but my pick is Ryan Paling from the Laval Rocket. He came back from injury this week. He played two games against the Amherst, and honestly, Paling looked real, real good. He was instrumental in keeping the Rocket in those two games. He had two assists on Friday night, including setting up Xavier Ouellette's uh, late goal, and he had one goal, one assist against Rochester on Saturday in a 6-5 overtime loss. I, I got to be honest, he he started off a little slow and then he kicked it into gear by the second half of the first game there. And with the way the Canadians are playing with Cedric Paquette likely being suspended and a few other things, I, I think Paling's earned his spot back in the NHL, at least for right now. There were like, what else are you going to do? You got to try something. You're going to have a guy suspended and you don't seem to really trust Adam Brooks. And you even said Jake Evans wasn't 100%. He had to play out of necessity because of Brendan Gallagher's injury. 
And I thought he's definitely a bright spot right now. The Rocket as a whole have been fun. I know they lost both their games this weekend, but they the efforts there. I saw the effort from the Rocket in a losing game that I have more than I've seen from the Canadians in all of their games this year. And that matters, to be quite honest. And Ryan Paling's going to be a big part of that. If he's not called up, he's still going to be a huge part of that team. And we'll see what what his next step is. I know he's still recovering or he's just freshly back from his injury. But at the same time, it's hard to ignore a guy who is playing a role that big right now. And up next, we have our three down. And Scott and I have lots and lots and lots of words. If you've missed the Scott Matt Lawrence. Here's one coming. That's coming up in just one moment. But first, we only have good words, very good words for our sponsor, Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're all low in sugar, high in protein. They're made with real chocolate. And when I say they, I mean 18 delicious flavors, plus the occasional special edition flavor. Built Bar is delicious. They will fit into your day whether you are using them as a breakfast on the go, whether you're using them to get energy for a workout, before, after a workout, you're hungry, you need a little pick-me-up at 3 p.m., you're going hiking, it will fit into your day. Built Bar is delicious. And like I said, they're also low in calorie. They're really, 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 really delicious. They do not taste like that grainy, that whey protein, weird sandy protein taste that you expect from most bars on the market. So if you want to try any of these 18 delicious flavors, go to built.com and enter locked15 for 15% off your order. That's built.com and enter locked15 for 15% off your order. All right, folks, right now we are doing our three down segment and we have a lot of words, a lot of words, but I just want Scott to take it away before I echo with my own rant. All right. So we're we're just naming. I think we're going to say all three down are Dominique Ducharme in this current iteration. I know that's cheating, but it's our show and we do what I want. And (laughs) I I have some stats, Laura, because people have come stats. This comes from Habs Chronicle on Twitter, and I'm just reading directly what they tweeted. The Habs through 10 games, they are 30th overall in the NHL. They are minus 15, which is 30th in the NHL. They have 19 goals for. Oh, they are 25th, so they're not that bad. 34 goals against, 30th. 27 shots a game, 31st. 11% power play, 30th. 65% penalty kill, 30th. 43.8% face-off percentage, 32nd. The Montreal Canadiens under Dominique Ducharme are a farce within a clown car that is on a diaper barge that is on fire sailing into a giant toilet. And this is a systems thing. This is not a, oh, they're unlucky like they were under Claude Julien. This isn't a, ah, they're not getting their bounces. This is a, this team sucks right now straight up terrible garbage doo-doo ass terrible bad team there's no redeeming qualities here we talked that hoffman and drew have been good and jake allen's had his moments but they've taken nick suzuki and made him a non-factor i could not tell you if nick suzuki is playing most nights i could not tell you if cole caulfield is playing most nights everyone looks lost and that comes down to the coaches. How do you take what you did in the playoffs, which worked so 
effing well and turn it into this abject disaster slosh mess crap that is the Canadians this year. I know you lost some players and you lost some key pieces, but there's no reason for this team to be that bad. We knew they weren't going to be great, but we didn't think they'd be this horrible. And to be quite honest with you, I, I can feel my brains just boiling trying to process all of this. And for that, Dominique Ducharme is all three of my down this week, just across the board. He might be a nice guy, and I was really cheering for him in the playoffs to get this team on track and this and that. It's not working right now. It's just a disaster, and I don't know how else to phrase it. Speaking of giant toilets, who is worse than the Canadians on the penalty kill? Uh, I want to say it's the Winnipeg Jets NHL penalty kill rankings. Let's take a look here, shall we? Um, <laughs> I, I just assume they were 32nd. While you, while you look that up, please go ahead. I'm not going to you know, keep you on the spot there. Um, I have some things to say as well. And that is that you can't, you, you can't be a good coach and not be able to get something going at this point. You've had these players for now 10 games. We said, okay, maybe they didn't have a training camp. Maybe they spent their training camp auditioning young guys to make the team as opposed to trying to build a cohesive unit out of the guys they do have. Maybe they didn't have Carey Price in game one. Maybe they didn't have Joel Edmondson who plays so well with Jeff Petrie and I think kind of supports him like in terms of like the number of minutes that he plays. Uh, Maybe, you know, you don't have Paul Byron who really is one of the heart and soul guys in this team. Maybe you didn't have... Shea Weber anymore. Maybe you didn't have, you know, Philippe Deno has left, but you had a top nine that before you got through 10 games with it looked good. You look at the top nine on paper and actually parts of the fourth line too. It was okay. It was, it was good enough. It was not an abject disaster. That to me is the biggest thing. You know, you're looking at the defense. You're like, all right, there's a lot of holes on that defense. Maybe, but these guys are not as bad as they are playing. And this is not something where you go through 10 games and you have no answers. The having no answers is the alarming part because they're not losing to amazing teams only. They're losing to bad teams. They're losing to the Los Angeles Kings. They're losing to the Anaheim Ducks. They almost lost. If it weren't for Jake Allen, they would be losing to the San Jose Sharks, who have made huge leaps and bounds this year. Yes. But they're still not a great team right right now, right? Okay, yeah, they lost to they lost to tar- Toronto. That's fair. Toronto's floundering now, but they're on paper they're a great team. You look at Buffalo. Buffalo's playing with like this renewed energy. It's going to be one of those cases where like they'll come back down to earth eventually, but it's fun right now and, you know, m- more power to them. Good luck. The Canadians were victimized by that. All right. That's one explanation. The New York Rangers, they're you know, they're still in a retooling situation, right? They're not that great a team. You're making them look like world beaters. You're making them look like Stanley Cup contenders. You know, the only team, the only team that they've beat, there's two teams that they beat, but again, the Sharks thing was like Jake Allen standing on his head. The only team that they beat is Detroit and Detroit is expected to be bad this year. It's expected to be a bottom feeder this year again, which they've got some good, exciting young players making the team now. Uh, right now they're making a lot of noise. They're, they're, they're getting some good buzz. They're fun to watch. That's the team I want to be like, if I'm going to be bad, 
I want to have buzz. I, I want, I want to be excited about the future of my team. And right now I'm looking at my team and it looks like they're being driven into the ground and they need new ideas. They need new things going on. They need one thing to work. If one thing, if there's not a single thing that works, then it's a coaching problem. Like Jonathan Drouet is producing despite, in spite of that lack of a system. Mike Hoffman is producing in spite of. If you look at this team, can you say their offense is good? No. Can you say their defense is good? No. Can you say their breakouts are good? No. Can you say their neutral zone game is good? No. Can you say their like the rushes are good or are they getting rushes? No. Are, can you say that like their penalty kill is good? Obviously not. Are you, can you say that their power play is good? Well, Mike Hoffman is producing in spite of the power play uh, being bad. Nothing is good. That is not a player thing. That is a coach thing. It is impossible that these guys, like Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, it is impossible that they be this bad through 10 games. It just, it does not make sense. Literally nothing is good. And that is a coaching uh, problem. I have your stats answer, by the way. Oh, no. For both the power play and the penalty kill. There are two teams worse than the Montreal Canadiens on the power play. They are the Arizona Coyotes, who are clicking in at 8%, <laughs> and the Vegas Golden Knights, who are clicking in at 0% on the power play. No, wow. I am not kidding. Um, yeah, you know, that's not going to stay that way. Oh, no. And then on the penalty kill, uh, 31st is the Winnipeg Jets clocking in at 63%. And dead last, the Arizona Coyotes clocking in at 58.6%. The difference here is no one expected the Coyotes to be good. And the fact that the Canadians are trying to race them to the bottom of the standings is not a sign that I'm looking forward to right now. And oh my God, this system sucks so much and it makes me want to cry. Right. Because the thing with the Arizona Coyotes is that they want to be bad. They literally are actively like helping other teams launder money and cap space and things like that in order to pick up, pile up draft picks from next next season and possibly the, the one after that. They're actively stocking up on draft picks. They're actively bad. They're actively trying to be bad. And the Canadians are not. And the Canadians have a better top six on paper. You know what? Arizona was meant to be bad. The Canadians were not meant to be great by any means, but they were not meant to be like this. And nothing is working. If nothing is working, it's the coaching staff. It's not the players. Literally nothing is working. Like, can you tell, like, literally, can you mention anything? Like, please, please, listeners, if you can think of anything that is going right for the Canadians, if you think, if you can think of anything they're doing well, please tell me. Because I would love that. But anyway, we don't want to be too, too, too negative. So a couple of things that I did want to mention uh, that I, this blew my mind when Scott told me is that Dominique Ducharme is talking about what to do with Cole Caulfield as if sending him down to Laval is an option. Other teams are game planning for Cole Caulfield. Teams with brains are literally defending against Cole Caulfield when he's playing on the quote unquote third line. And you want to send this kid down. He's not producing. That's fine. He's playing badly. Yeah, I would agree with you. He's trying to do too much. He's got too much pressure on himself. Sending him down to Laval isn't going to fix anything. Putting him on the third line didn't fix anything. Literally, your system sucks. How's he supposed to get shots on goal? How's he supposed to pass to people when there's nobody there to pass to? Like, it's the system. It's your fault. And now you're going to sour relations with this player who's supposed to be the future of this team because you can't coach. Like, that to me is just egregious. Nothing on this team is going right. And it's not Cole Caulfield's fault. You look at him doing the little things. You look at him like 
slipping away from from defensemen you look at like on the power play they all look at him they're all like facing him they're all covering him he's the guy they cover everybody's after him everybody's trying to take away his space because they know what he can do everybody's trying to get between him and his teammates so he can't do beautiful passes to them can you not see that do you not have video do not are you not at the games like standing behind the bench what are you doing what are you looking at that ipad there what are you looking at this is the thing is that we keep talking about how it is old school coaches that resort to taking young players and saying oh no they need to be scratched for a night oh no they need to be sent down oh no they're not if you give him space he will create and you're not doing that if you allow him space he will create and he's not doing that because he is not getting the space and you're not adapting to other teams game planning against him that is a you problem. That is not a Cole Caulfield problem. It, 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 I, I do not understand what sending him down does. I get that. Oh, they want him to get some confidence back. You know what would get some confidence back? If you set up a power play system that actually worked or a five-on-five system that was actually a system. And I know I'm asking a lot for a coach that's had several months to prepare for this and has paid millions of dollars. But what do I know? I, I This week's going to be a number of dumb things. And I'm going to go on the record here and predict that they're going to call up Michael Pozzetta. It's not going to go well. They're going to call up Ryan Paling. That might go better. And I think they're going to send down Cole Caulfield just for a little bit to get his momentum back and score some goals at the AHL level. And I got to be honest with you, I think that's really effing stupid. And it wouldn't shock me, though, because this team is currently panicking. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a dumb trade this week to do something. I don't know what it is, but I cannot help but feel that there's this lingering dumbness hanging over the team right now that something's going to happen. And I hope I'm wrong. I truly hope I am. But I think that this team's going to make a bunch of short-sighted moves that don't benefit them right now, and at least aren't what they need. And if they do send Cole Cole Caulfield down, I think it's a mistake, but it better work. Like, it literally, it better work. You know, the thing is, like, he will get better. He'll get his confidence back. He'll, like, he'll, he'll set the AHL on fire. He will. Then he'll come back and he'll score goals. But like, have you damaged this this team's relations with with one of its future stars? Like he's a he's a mature kid. He knows what he's doing. He's gonna rise up to the to the challenge and the occasion. But taking away one of the guy, one of the few guys that can score on this team is not gonna help them score goals. And unless you bring him back very quickly. So anyway, we'll see what happens. And in the meantime. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at LO underscore Canadians. You can also find us uh, on, you can also email us at LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. I'm sure you might disagree with some of the things that you said tonight. We are more than happy to listen to arguments. Just please, please be nice and, and not disrespectful about it. You can find me on Twitter at The Active Stick. You can find Scott at Scott Matla. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And in the meantime, Make your second listen of the day locked on fantasy hockey because Scott Cullen is one of the best in the business and his advice you should definitely take. We'll talk to you tomorrow.